I think the, the level of empowerment the CEO or the CRO pro- provides for me is incredibly important. Um, you know, if they're looking to hire someone who is smart, has experience, is a go-getter, um, and empower them to do what they believe is, is correct or the, what they need to do to get their job done, um, then I think that matters to me more than the reporting structure is, you know, will I be given the autonomy to do what I think I need to do? Obviously, with, with the check-ins and the, the confirmation that this is where the business is going. Um, but I think that's more important than are you reporting indirectly to a CEO or a CRO. Welcome to The Get, the Marketing Talent Podcast. This is Erica Seidel, your host. We explore what it takes to get and keep the best marketing leaders in the B2B SaaS world. My guest today is Erica Sheehan. She is a whiz at cybersecurity marketing, which is a uh, really hot area, and we're going to be talking about that today. Um, Erica is Vice President of Marketing at GuardSquare, which is a Belgian mobile application security company, uh, and she is um, helping them uh, expand to the U.S. market. And previously, she was VP of Marketing at Observit, uh, and I actually placed her into that role, one of my most favorite placements, because um, after she joined, the company grew 4x in a couple of years and just had... Um, an acquisition, which is very successful. So, Erica, welcome to The Get. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Erica, and thanks for the very kind intro. I appreciate it. All right. Awesome. So, let's just get right into it. Um, You are in the cybersecurity space. It is a very competitive market. Some people have said it's it's kind of like a knife fight in cybersecurity, so it's, it's challenging to be a marketing leader in the cybersecurity space. Can you talk about the difference between average and great in a cybersecurity marketing leader in particular? For me, it's having a great team. Um, It's impossible for any individual person to have the depth of experience in all aspects of marketing. And when it comes to, as you said, the the ultra competitive cybersecurity realm, um, you need to have very strong technical skills, great customer relationship management skills, corporate communications, including great brand awareness, content marketing, digital marketing, demand gen, and there's so much more that goes into it. So I guess it's impossible for any one person to be the master of all those domains. So having a really phenomenal team um, working with you um, makes such a big difference. I think it's the person that can bring on the best people um, to support and and to focus on the mission and bringing that forward rather than the person with the broadest skill set broadest skill set is probably going to generate an average at best return. And before we continue, maybe you could just um, share a little bit about your background in your journey to your role now. So I started off first off in a marketing agency, um, and it was a great place to start because it was a place where I got a really solid foundation in metrics, data analysis, reporting, and testing. And for me, that's, those are some of the things that I'm to this day very passionate about um, and get very excited about. So After spending about six or seven years in an agency called Digitas here in Boston, um, I moved to um, a field marketing role, and I spent a number of years working in various roles within field marketing. Um, And I think for me, that was an incredibly important role and experience to have. I'm not cut out for sales. Sales has um, a lot of really high highs and a lot of really low lows, and I love riding that roller coaster with sales. I will never be in a sales function. but so I spent years um, in marketing uh, for tech companies, Novell, Akamai, um, and Deca, running some of their field marketing groups and was very closely aligned to the sales teams there. Um, from there, I moved to, um, I was at Indeca when they got acquired by Oracle. 
spent a year at Oracle realizing that it was just too big for me. One of the really exciting things about marketing is, you know, the, the, the coming up with and the, the, the concepting of an idea and a campaign and then the execution and then the seeing it through to the end, looking at the results. Like I said, the metrics part for me is incredibly exciting. So what were the results that we got? How do we optimize? How do we test and, and do things a little bit differently? Um, and so Oracle was just bigger for me than being able to have that start to finish view. So I went to Akamai, spent several years at Akamai um, and the Americas um, team for their cybersecurity uh, practice. Again, very, very closely aligned to the sales team, looking at ways that we can build pipeline um, and continue to broaden and expand the market that, that Akamai had. And then from there, as you mentioned, um, moved on to Observe It, which was back to a smaller size company that I'd been at in a little while. And Becca had been a relatively small company, um, relatively speaking, um, compared with, um, with Oracle. Um, but it was there where I had the opportunity to take on more of the broader marketing aspects, so the awareness. Um, in addition to the demand um, side of things. Um, and then from there, spent some very happy years, um, had a great run, as you mentioned, very, very successful company. Um, most recently started in September at a company called Guard Square, where again, I've got the broad um, purview of all things marketing. Um, and I find it very, very exciting to look at all the puzzle pieces and see how they can come together and, and various people in the way that you can get to an end result. And hopefully it's a very, very positive one um, along the way. And so that's, that's kind of been my career path. You're an analytical person, right? Anybody who talks to you for more than 10 minutes will, will get that. And, um, and you, you mentioned your analytical heft from Digitas, and then you went into field marketing. Is that rare to be a super analytical field marketer? I'd like to think no. Um, I think that it's rare to find anyone in marketing that isn't analytical or doesn't have the desire to look at the metrics. There are so many things now that we can measure and into so many levels of depth that, you know, as a field marketer, you want to be looking at what events perform, you know, what activities perform within your region. So, you know, if you think about the various areas just in the United States alone, in New York City, you can look at the data and you can say, well, it doesn't really work out very well to do a breakfast event in New York, but if you do something more like a wine tasting, then you can look at data and say that performs a lot better. So I think it's important to look at the data and to look at the metrics no matter what aspect of marketing you're looking at, whether you're someone who's a graphic designer looking at what ads or what, you know, what treatments work best to someone who is in um, you know, the field marketing side to someone who's in more of a demand gen campaign management type of a role. I think it's important no matter what. Now, you worked at Akamai. You had a team of, um, I forget, 20 or 30 people there. I mean, it was quite a big team. And then you went to Observe It, which was a smaller company. You were a team of one. And I remember being on the recruiting side, the whole question mark is, oh, can somebody be okay from, you know, going from managing a big team to a, a place where nobody's going to be peeling their grapes for them? Um, so, you know, I, I was just talking to a CEO um, the other day who said to me, uh, that when he looks at marketing leader candidates, he says to them, prove to me that you can scrap. You know, he wants scrappiness. So, you know, because this question comes up so much, do you have any advice for CEOs on how they can tell if a marketing leader is really willing to be scrappy? Yes, yeah, so it's a great question and, and it's a really important one for companies, especially those that are in a, a building stage. Um, so for me, some of the things that I, I look for and listen for um, are cues in the way that, that some of the candidates respond to questions or the, 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 the stories that they tell that are illustrating their experiences. Um, if the candidate refers to I throughout these stories instead of the we, 
to me, it raises a red flag because like I said earlier, there's, there's no one person that can take on all aspects. Um, and so part of being scrappy in an earlier stage company is knowing how to leverage everyone around you. Um, in my experience, you know, getting across functional people outside of your discipline engaged in helping you means that you're scrappy, you get them tied to your initiative, um, and it shows that you've got a desire to find a way to get things done no matter what resources you have that are either directly reporting to you or indirectly reporting to you. Um, so that's important. Um, and I think, like I said, in the stories that, you, that candidates tell, if they're not scrappy, they either aren't going to have a whole lot of depth to the stories that they tell or they aren't going to have the in interesting anecdotes along the way in their stories. So to me, that's going to illustrate that it was really not necessarily them executing or that they weren't really finding unique and different ways to get people on board with their mission and get them supporting what they were looking to do. As we look at B2B tech companies and we look at marketing leaders, we broadly see them falling into kind of three archetypes, right? There are people with backgrounds in demand gen like you. That's very much what a lot of growth stage companies want. You know, they want that, that demand leader that's going to get pipeline going, get leads coming in, et cetera. Uh, that's one type. And then a second type is people with backgrounds in product marketing. And a third is people with backgrounds in brand or communications. And um, is there a situation where um, when a CEO wants a demand gen oriented marketer, is, is that ever short sighted? Is there ever, you know, a focus on, on shooting without pointing first? I mean, I think a lot of it, again, goes back to the team that you're working with um, as, as someone with a demand gen background. It's obviously much easier to create demand when you have great brand awareness. But for many organizations, I would say most organizations probably, there isn't the luxury of doing things sequentially. So you need to be building brand awareness simultaneously while you're generating demand and honing your, your messaging. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things for me and observe it, I was incredibly fortunate to have some very talented um, SEs with deep product knowledge who were also willing to help um, partner with marketing and refine the messaging as we built awareness and executed some demand generation programs. So in that sense, I think, um, you know, our CEO is very aware of the skill sets that were available within the organization. And so realized that there were other people that I, as, as the person coming in with a demand gen background, could tap into for example, you know, not having the, the, the similar depth of experience on the product marketing side, I could tap into these SEs. Um, and I think CEOs know the strengths of their organizations and, and should have a sense of where their greatest gaps are and look at that when they're looking at who they want to hire. Um, you know, if they have a number of, of internal thought leaders and evangelists who can help with the branding, um, great, then they probably can use someone who's on the demand side or someone who's on the product side um, as an example. Um, I think the other thing that I would say is probably important for the CEOs to consider, you know, which type of, of marketing leader they want to hire is, you know, the expectations of the board and the metrics that they're going to evaluate. If the board is very focused on, you know, the brand awareness and how much, you know, the air cover is, is being, is, is increasing with this person brought on board, then you probably want someone who is, you know, focused on the awareness side of things. Um, or if they're focused on, they need, they need to rebrand, then certainly in a, awareness or a corp comms type of background person is the right place to go. Um, so I'd say, you know, as, as a last comment to that question is, I think it's important for the CEOs and leaders to, to think about the fact that as the organizations evolve, the type of marketing leader that they have in place may need to evolve as well. So they may start off with one type of marketing leader and then evolve to a different type of marketing leader over time. 
In your previous role, you reported to a CEO, and now it's a different structure, right? Now you're reporting to a CRO, so somebody who runs, as I understand, sales, service, and marketing. And, and I'm seeing this as a trend, right? There's more and more companies bringing in CROs and having marketing reporting to that CRO. So can you compare and contrast? Like, How is it different to report to a CEO versus a CRO, and, and what do you think of this, this trend? Yeah, I think I, I like it personally. Um, you know, as, as as I walk through my experience, I've spent a, a number of years reporting either directly into um, sales or reporting kind of heavy dotted line into sales. So for me, the two relationships that are the most important for as a marketer are, um, and, and maybe this will get a little bit to the metrics piece as well, but are the relationship with sales and the relationship with the operations team. So you know, the operations team setting us up for success by giving us the ability to report out on what's working, what's not working, giving us the ability to test, looking at the attribution of the program. So that's cr incredibly important. Um, but but the CRO and, and reporting in through a CRO who most cases has, you know, a pretty depth, a pretty deep um, set of experience running sales. Um, in some cases, I've seen some CROs who have run marketing in the past, but I'd say that's less common. Um, but when you can have sales and marketing on the same page and presenting a united front, whether that's to a CEO or to a board, that makes the argument much more compelling. Um, and it really means that, you know, the marketing leader and the sales leader have had to, in some cases, potentially hash out different differences of opinion or differences of approaches and what the priorities are. But the more you do those types of things, the more you roll up your sleeves and, and have those conversations. And they're always, not always going to be easy conversations because everyone's got their opinions on what the right thing is to do. But the more you can have those conversations very, and work very closely with the sales team and then in turn work to present that information to the CEO, to the board, I think the better off you are. Um, and so if sales is, if, I'm sorry, if marketing is running programs that sales isn't bought into, or if marketing is running programs that we believe that are very successful, but sales doesn't feel that way, then it's, it's a miss. And so having that very direct line of reporting, sometimes short, short circuits or shortcuts, you know, getting that feedback. Um, and so I think, it's, I think it's a good trend. Um, I appreciate having that, that relationship um, very significantly. You recently made a switch from one company to the next, and – um, let's talk about what you would recommend a marketing leader look for in their next boss. Uh, the, the challenge is that sometimes, whether whether it's a CEO hiring you or a CRO hiring you, that person might only have a vague idea of what is really entailed in a successful marketing operation, right? Like they might not know that uh, a campaign can take as long as it can take to get out the door, for instance. Um, so how can you tell if somebody really understands marketing and whether that's a, that's a boss that they should be working for? Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, I, I'm going through that, the, the job transition and looking for a new role. I spent a lot of time thinking about that as I prepared for various interviews and, and kind of thinking through how would I understand that. And for me, one of the things that was important was the empowerment. Um, would I would I have that level of empowerment to be able to do what I thought was important? Was you know was the CEO um, would the board would the CRO um, be open to and interested in learning about marketing? Um, I'm not trying to teach them in depth, but to share my experiences and explain through past metrics and past past experiences, you know what's worked and what hasn't worked. 
Um, and so one of the other things that I think was important to me that I found in Guard Square was a CEO who was open to and very much wants to be a part of the process and wants to, to support the process. Um, a CRO who, you know, has a good appreciation for marketing and is willing to to challenge some of the ideas, which I, I definitely enjoy because I think when, you, when you're challenged, you, you have to think smarter. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I have all of the answers. So it's good to have someone that will give you that, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Um, but the other piece that I think for me was very important as I was going through the process and looking was um, there's a member of the board for Guard Square who is the CMO for Palo Alto. Um, and so I think having someone who has deep marketing experience on the board brings the conversation to a new level. It means that when you're presenting metrics, when you're talking about certain things, you have sort of a partner in crime on the board. And it doesn't always mean that everything goes smoothly because hopefully they will challenge you as well. But I think that to me gave me the full picture of this is an organization that is investing in marketing, that sees the value in marketing. They don't have all the answers for marketing. They're looking to bring someone on who can help you know, arrive at those answers and partner with them to get there. Can you share what the prompt was for that final presentation? I always love you know, collecting these for my own recruiting work. What was the assignment that you were given? Yeah. Uh, it was, um, I think they wanted the sun, the moon, and the stars. Um, it was, it was a, a, a robust <laughs> one. So um, what, you know, what is the ideal org chart that I would want to have in place? Um, what is my 30, 60, 90 plan? Um, what are the challenges that I expect to be faced with? And then very specifically, um, GuardSquare is in a unique situation where we have open source solution, uh, ProGuard, but we have two solutions that we've monetized. And so there was a very specific question of how do you take that open source ProGuard community and migrate them to the paid solutions? How do you expose them to, you know, the benefits that they would get from the, 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 the more robust product solutions or product set that we have? Um, how do we go after the top 100 accounts? Um, and what is the approach there um, were some of the questions. Um, so there were, there were a number of questions, and I don't think I necessarily did a deep dive on every single one of them. Um, but some of them that I found incredibly interesting, you know, was where I spent more time and an hour to present. And I think I probably could have spent a lot more time talking. Um, but that was, that was where, where the, the assignment started. Wow, that is the sun, the moon, and the stars. Wow. <laughs> yes. Very challenging, but I, you know, I, I do like the idea of these um, of these kind of presentations ahead of time. And you know, some people hate them because it does take time, and they can feel like they're providing free consulting to a company, which I could see that. But on the other hand, it's such an opportunity to try the job on for size and to kind of get a sense of the if if the way that you're thinking about it really matches what the company needs and the way that they are thinking about it. And it, 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 it's so much more robust than just an interview. You know, I think for me, when I did the presentation for Observe It, when I did the presentation for Guard Square, it got me increasingly more excited about the opportunity, the more I thought about it, the more conversations I had, and, and then actually doing the presentation. So yes, it's a significant amount of time for the candidate. It's time for the organization as well to think through what's the right exercise to bring the right leadership team in place to listen to the presentation, but I do think it's invaluable. You led marketing at Observit during a big climb. We're not gonna say what the climb was. It was a, we'll just say about a 4X increase in revenue. So I, I believe that counts as hyper growth. I was just looking the other day at you know what is hyper growth, and I think it's um, a, a growth rate of above 40% a year. 
Um, but anyway, what hiring lessons have you learned from that experience that you would share with somebody else who is newly taking over a marketing team in a hypergrowth company? Sure, it's, it's a great question. Um, and I think one that as I was building out the team and observe it and now that I'm working on enhancing the team here at GuardSquare, I've, I've certainly put a lot of thought into. I think the obvious answer is to look for the people who are scrappy, who are willing to roll up their sleeves and get things done. Um, I think it's incredibly important that um, candidates are very aware of the expectations of a hyper-growth company. Um, it is not going to be a nine-to-five. It is not going to be all the systems and processes are incredibly well set up and everything is smooth sailing. Uh, and I think that if you find the right person, that's very exciting to them. The fact that they can be a part of creating that process or building out new systems and things like that. So I think making sure that you're inc incredibly clear, because for some people that could be an absolute nightmare. And so you know, hey, it's been a great conversation, but I think that this is probably not the role for you. And they probably on their, in their mind are thinking, absolutely not the right role for me. Um, but I think one of the other things that isn't necessarily as talked about is thinking about hiring for different, um, not just different skill sets, but different thought processes um, and different personality types. So it's very, very easy for people to hire very, people who are very similar to them. But that doesn't bring the opportunity to be challenged. Um, and I think at the end of the day, we all want to be challenged in a way that makes us better marketers or better in our profession. And so if you hire people with different ways of thinking or different backgrounds, different skill sets, then that helps, I think, build a very robust team where you can have the debates, you can think about things in a different way. There are constantly new and different ideas that are being brought to light. And I think that's what makes for a really good team that can be successful in a hyper-growth environment. Do you have a golden question that you like to ask every marketer before you hire them? I'm probably a little bit old school in saying this, but I care a lot about the follow-up from the candidate. So if, if the follow-up from the candidate isn't thoughtful um, or they don't, it means to me, or it's an, maybe it doesn't mean to me, but it's an indication that they may not be incredibly invested in the role or they may not be as thoughtful as I would like them to be about the role should they take that, should they be given the opportunity to take that on. Um, I think that the preparation is key um, and something that I look at. And so maybe this is the answer to what's the golden question, but at a minimum, I expect a candidate, regardless of what the level of the role is, is to be able to share a high level elevator pitch or a couple of sentences about what the company does. So my, one of the questions I almost always ask is, you know, tell me what you think we do and why it matters. Um, and I think that that can be very insightful. It tells you how much homework the person did it tells you their capacity for understanding certain levels of depth of technology um, as well. Well, Erica, this is awesome. We've talked about all kinds of things, uh, leading marketing in a hyper-growth company, cybersecurity and the unique aspects there, and your career path and your learnings from hiring and being hired. And so this is uh, fabulous to, to, to just hear about your experiences. So thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. It's been, uh, it's been fun to think through the questions that you shared, so I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for joining us today for The Get. Join us next time with another guest. Till then, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify, or check us out on LinkedIn and Twitter so you don't miss a thing.